0: So it's like we return to our own traditions with new gifts and, like, why would we not want to give each other those gifts? Like, what fun is it to just um, fight and argue about who's better when we could actually be learning from each other and, like, deepening our own understanding of the mystery, which is...
1: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Live an Extraordinary Life. I am your host, Tim Bishop, and this podcast serves as a guide to help you define what an extraordinary life is for yourself. And today's guest is Pastor Joel. Now, Pastor Joel is someone that I admire a lot because of the work he does in the world and because of the things he cares about. You know, he really wants to bring a modern day look at religion, at racism, at mental health, at crossing the boundaries of what have been set in place and allowing for cross religious communication, allowing for people to come together as one whether you are Hindu, Muslim, Christian, Islamic or you don't practice anything. Acknowledging that there is lessons to be learned from all people and that is how we will come together as humans and not continue to be polarized in this world. So here is the conversation that he and I had about all things, and I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you learn some from it. So, here we go. All right, perfect. Well, Joel, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Do you want to give yourself a
0: little brief intro to the listeners? Sure. Um, My name is Joel Berglund, and I serve as associate pastor at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church of Plymouth, and that is how I know uh, Timmy. Nice.
1: Yes, we met how many years ago now maybe five there's,
0: no there's no I've been here three years, three years and so I, it feels like five sometimes and other times it feels like you know five days I don't know it's um, learning a, an ecosystem like a church um, takes a long time and um, yeah it's it's been a wonderful fit though I've really enjoyed these past three years Perfect
1: good. Well, I want to I wanna start off with kind of an overarching question just to kind of kick off the theme of why I want to have this conversation and why I think it's valuable for people to listen to this discussion is I just kind of want in your perspective, just kind of what you see the overall value is of a religious community and also just like going on a religious journey. I know we've talked about this, but it's just something that I've become more passionate about is kind of going on this journey of spirituality and religion, no matter where you started from, you know, no matter what your background is, whether you grew up in faith or not, um, that it's just worth exploring and worth having conversations and, um, and hearing and learning from people who have, who are involved in it. So I'm just, I'm just curious, um, you know, on, on a broader level, kind of some of those things that you think as far as like the value of just, of just embracing and try, trying to see what you can learn from a religious, a religious journey, we'll say.
0: Yeah, um journey is a good word for it, I think. Um, and I think that's I don't know, one of the, the shifts that I try to help people in the church make. And one that I think uh the church that I work for amount all of it is pretty good at is um we often think about religion as like a, a pretty set Structure of beliefs or doctrines that you need to adhere to, um, principles that you need to accept, but it's um, much more um, like this sustained kind of storytelling, like group storytelling activity that happens over many years, and um, and what the value is in. going on a religious journey is it gives you a set of core stories um, to help you understand your own evolving story. At least that's how it's been for me that um, as my own life has shifted and changed um, as everyone's does, there has been um, something from within this like vast tradition of of my my faith, which is Christianity. Someone else has has faced something similar, and they have given me um, kind of a language, a narrative to understand uh, where I am, where God is, where I might be going next. Um, yeah, so that's that's personally um, one one way that I, I think uh, there's value in a religious tradition, and the other is just I. I really don't believe that we are meant to live life alone. I think science would support that we are (laughs) wired for community, that we need other people in our lives. And, you know, at its worst, religion is pretty bad. (laughs) But at its best, religion is a community of people who are trying to live their lives side by side with reverence, uh, for one another and for the, for for life and it's mystery and it's wonder. And, um, that's not something I can get on my own. I really need to be around other people for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I know we've talked about just finding community in that it's, You just really, there isn't a lot of places in the world that foster a community and, you know, finding one that you enjoy and you can be a part of to help you grow and make sense of the world is pretty powerful,
0: pretty powerful thing to have. Yeah, it is. And um you know, I'm I'm really lucky because I like get paid to be part of a religious community. <laughs> um but it's it's would really Would you do it for free? Yeah, I I I, th- I think I would. And I I mean, it's one of these things where like everyone that I know dreads going to funerals, right? And like we we have this fear of the tough stuff and yet like if you go to, um, if you walk with someone that you love into a, a difficult space, you know, an illness or um, a, a disruptive life transition or, or, or death, like, you, you don't regret it. And I think about that. And I, I think about the the lunches after funerals and for people, um, family members who came who, you know, there's beef between them. They're always glad they showed up for one another. And I, I think that's exactly it. It's like, because we have these rituals and these ways of gathering, um, it opens up possibilities. Um, possibilities to touch the 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 really tough stuff but not be totally harmed by it um sorry that's like a a very spacey spacey answer um but it's also like a really deep question that you're asking right off the bat yeah Um, yeah no that was Uh, a that was a perfect answer (laughs) and it's it's also i i mean right now Intergenerational community is really tough to come by. And I think that there is real value in, you know, there's so many ways that we are different, and um, church doesn't always get them all together in one place like uh the church i work for is very very white and you know most people make similar amounts of money but we do have a lot of age diversity and what does that what does that mean that um these suburban kids are like hanging out with grandpas and grandmas who grew up on farms and it's just cool to think about the different life experiences and um, being able to coexist in one place
1: yeah Yeah, and I I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you was because of kind of an answer that you just gave, which was that I feel like you do a really good job at just breaking down like exactly what you just said, is that in this community, there is intergenerational people. There is a way that you can make sense of the world. There is, you know, not this necessarily absolute, like, here is the like exact thing you have to follow, but here's like a set of stories that you can go and make sense of and have conversation with people. And, and I just, I love the way you always talk about that because I just like, <laughs> can I connect with it? I'm like, yes, like that's, that's exactly how I feel. And, you know, again, one of the the things that I'm looking into in my own life and in the world, and it's just like, okay, there's been this, this general decline you know i don't know the exact numbers but as far as like the the youth i would say going into like a religious community and and um do you have you know some ideas or theories i guess as to like why you think this decline has happened i mean i think it, it, how i see it is like there's there is kind of like these polarizing sides of like nope i just don't believe or like yes i do believe and kind of like a lot of things in our world those two sides are getting like yeah. even more extreme but you know, you being a pastor, like, have you seen some uh, some big common themes as to why you think that people are being scared away a bit from from the church, we'll say, or kind of this like religious experience?
0: Yeah, um, big questions. To start this is with. this not, this is tough. To yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people, like, I think about my my own friends who don't attend church and. Um, I don't think that they harbor a lot of antagonism um, toward um, toward religion. Certainly there's a lot of people who have been harmed, um, actively harmed by the faith communities that they've been a part of. And that I I, I really understand why you'd want to keep your distance. Um, but I, I think that people are finding their meaning elsewhere in other places. And I think that, churches because, um, they, you know, they're rooted in tradition and they're rooted in dialogue and there's multiple generations there. They have, we just are a slow moving institution. And I think mm-hmm. that, uh, there's a lot of gift in that sometimes. Um, but I also think it puts us at, at, uh, at, at a disadvantage sometimes. Um, I, I, I i also think that maybe there's um a gift in the the decline of the church because i think one thing that's happening um that i celebrate is that um christianity is kind of losing its status as you know the 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 nation's religion or the the you know that you are assumed to be christian in, until proven otherwise or you know you think about um uh, I had a teacher who talked about um, you would never mow your lawn on a Sunday morning because the neighborhood expectation was you were at church. And he says, <laughs> now you can mow your lawn on a Sunday morning, right? And, um, and and I think the nice thing about that is that this idea of a church as you know, something you have to do or a church as a social club, or something that that will help you network professionally. Um, you know that's that's going away, and uh, it, you know there's a lot of grief that's going to be involved in that. I I, I personally wonder if I'm going to be able to like be paid to be a pastor until retirement until retirement. But um, I think the gift in that is that it frees churches up to be with people who actually feel called to be there, you know? And then it, that's a different kind of conversation about what we can and cannot do. Right.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting perspective on it. I have not thought about it that way before.
0: Yeah, so I don't I don't really actually know why people are leaving the church. I, I, I really just think, um, I, I think um, for a lot of millennials and Gen Zs, uh, it, it's like we... Um, are so mobile um, that, you know, I think about, like, I, there was a stretch there where I lived in a different apartment for like seven years, right? And how was I going to make any community in the place that I was living? How was I going to, you know, put down roots and I wasn't? And then meanwhile, we, I, I can, like, I, well, I guess it was Facebook at that point. So, like, I had Facebook to to keep in touch with my friends and maintained a lot of relationships that way. Um, But I think churches, because they, you know, you show up in your body. Like, I, w- I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna do that. I was already learning a new place, a new school, a new job. I, I, did, I didn't need an, another um, new community in my life. Um, that, you know. But then I, I would seek it out too. But that, I, I, I don't know. I'm my own faith journey is not like indicative of a, any sort of national trend. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, again, this is me theorizing too, but it could just be the fact that myself and, and as long as well as like older generations are potentially judging my own generation too early because I remember talking to my mom too, who is very involved now in the religious community. And she's like, well, when I was 24, I, I didn't know. Like I just started yeah. going to church because like your dad asked me to go with him to this one and we started doing it. And so again, the fact that if you're young, 22, 20, 25, it doesn't mean that you're writing it all off. I'm just, these are just kind of broader questions because yeah. I find them fascinating. And so you could be absolutely right that we are a mobile generation. There's a lot going on. Social media is in place so we can stay in touch yeah. easier. And that might just make, mean that our process is going to look differently than the process of our parents and the generations before us
0: absolutely and i think that um one thing that we've noticed is that when um families who are younger join at my church um it's usually because they suddenly have more uh, a mortgage and kids and so it's like these are societal markers of stability um and so then they find their themselves um ready to like in, invest in a religious community and i I think you 're so right like i i, I mean that's that 's working for us now, but it 's also like i don 't know just because there 's a bunch of people bopping around and don 't have a mortgage and don 't have kids and that 's not going to be part of a lot of people 's story like how is it that religious community um becomes part of their lives and i I don't have an answer for that, but like, I'm glad I'm at a place where I can, where we can ask the question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well I'm interested to, to take it back uh, a couple of steps and, and talk about your story a bit and how I just think it's always interesting to find out how one becomes a, a pastor and yeah. <laughs> journey. And I know you took many twists and turns along the way, but, um, do you want to give us the, uh, a little bit of a roadmap as to how how you ended up in the profession that you're in today
0: yeah I mean it, it maybe
1: your own like you know I mean tidbits of your own kind of religious journey in there as well
0: yeah totally I think um I, I mean my family is very much like of the church my grandfather is a pastor my great-grandfather was a pastor so it's like we it was just like in the dna of my family like we're we were always at worship and so it was um it colored my childhood and i never had bad experiences at church i actually had really lovely experience lovely lovely religious communities that i belong to and i'm very grateful and lucky actually and um i think um in high school, I, what I resonated most was, with was the sense that like um, the world is deeply unfair and just really wanting to make a difference in the world. And I think that's common for, for young people. And um, what I wanted, from my church at that point was more honesty about talking, uh, talking about, you know, inequality and, um, and like the the environmental crisis that is still unfolding and going on. And um, I didn't really get that. And so I, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I was never like part it's not that I was never outside of the church It's just that it wasn't really my favorite thing for a while. Um, but then when I went to college, which was the hugest change in my life, you know, suddenly you're not living at home with the people you've known for 18 years. You're like with a group of strangers and you're living your life alongside of them. Um, I went to a religious school and they had daily chapel services and I started going and it completely surprised me. But, um, what there was there was, no matter how I was feeling on any given day, there was something that in in the church service that could hold what I was feeling and that would speak and affirm my reality and it was like, "Huh, that's interesting um, and then I took a religion class and you know, most people like studying the, uh, how the Bible got made and, you know, you know, maybe it wasn't like a literal parting of the Red Sea. And, you know, maybe the ark is more of a cultural narrative rather than like a scientific fact that wrecks a lot of people's faith. But for me, it was like, I always knew this, like, this (laughs) is just what I suspected. And like, we can talk about this and then Go up to chapel and worship God, and like this this kind of conversation doesn't diminish the realness of um, of the God that we worship or for our need to for these stories it doesn 't make the stories any less powerful um, and then from there on out, it was it, it, like it 's not even interesting; it was just like a gradual logical. Elimination of other possibilities (laughs) for what I wanted to do with my life. And um, I, what, what drew me ultimately to go to seminary was that I knew I wanted to be a part of building communities that are holistic and that can meet people wherever they are and that make a difference in the world. So I, it, it just, where else could I do that? And I didn't see any other place but the church.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember this, like one of your first sermons, but I, I swear you came in and you started talking about like racism. And I was, (laughs) I was like, this is awesome. But I, You know, I just sat back in my chair a bit and just kind of scanned the room because sometimes, you know, like what somebody (laughs) is saying is definitely making people feel uncomfortable. And, you know, just I had, again, had never heard that, but I I just that's why I respect you and think that you've been able to break through again is like, you know, you bring this modern element, what I feel that would resonate with so many of, of my age um Because you come in and you talk about mental health and racism yeah. and things that are so inequality that are going on in the world, then so it seems like that stemmed from like a very early motivation um, in your life to to bring these things forward into the community
0: Oh, absolutely, and it's because um silence is just as loud as speech, right? And so if you are um, uh, reading the headlines or if you are like walking with your friend with mental illness and you're not hearing about it at church, um, you know, that, that says something about what is on and on off limits at, in a religious community. And, you know, I think it's, it's just kind of this, um, You know, you used to have to wear your Sunday best to church and, like, dress up and button down and all that. And um, that's also a metaphor for, like, the parts of your life that were on limits at church. And I just, I, I mean, if we believe in a God who was willing to be, like, born and, like, carried in a woman's womb and, like eat and drink and sleep and poop, just like the rest of us. Like, why would we think that there's any part of our lives that are not fair game for the grace of God? And so then it's like, we need to be, we need to be talking about that. Um, The challenge is how to do that. Um, You're right, because it's, it's like, there are so many ways to have these conversations poorly or to have them in a way that uh, starts arguments rather than leads to transformation. Um, And that's, that's part of my ongoing learning is how do you have these conversations in a way that is, um, yeah, that leads to transformation, that is like centered in, in God's grace rather than, um, I don't know, and I, I probably have preached a couple sermons where it feels like I really am preaching and wagging my finger at people. Um, but really I want my sermons to be invitations for people to reckon w- with whatever is already inside of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I haven't felt too often
0: like you were, like you were scolding me. So that's, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, you've come, you, you've seen me on my good days. You know, I, it, here's, here's another thing is like, pastors are very normal people. Like we are just as human as anyone else. And so it's like, I've got my good days. Like I need, and and I'm so lucky to be at a church with two pastors because it means that I get to hear preaching regularly. And I like, I need that. I I need, I can't bear it, bear it all on my own or do it all on my own. Um, I, I need it just as much as everyone else.
1: Right. So going into the, the new year, it's the big conversation right now. It's the big, the big 2020, but what's, what's some of those bigger issues that are on your mind right now that, that you're kind of looking to, to dive into and and come into the new year here?
0: Yeah. Um, are they all, are they all on your mind? Oh, they're, they're completely all on my mind. I think, um, where we're at is um, it can't just be whatever's on my mind. There has to it also has to be felt um, in the in the hearts of the community too. And there's there's ways that you can build momentum around certain things in religious community. Um, but but I I'd say my job right now is deep listening to people, and I I can tell you what we hear over and over. Um, it is. Um, Uh, probably uh, it's mental health, honestly, most closely uh, related to people's lives. I think there's a lot of people um, who just, um, especially the younger you go, who just look at themselves and the future and just feel a lack of hope um, and feel like there isn't a like they don't make a difference, like they don't really matter. Um, and I think that that's uh, a lot of different things. I think that there's, um, you know, people who are trapped in economic cycles, you know, people who have a lot of debt, um, there's certainly climate change and you know what, it's not like we see a lot of people, um it's not going to be fixed overnight and we don't even see people necessarily rushing to fix it all the time. Um, And I think there's just, uh, you've already talked about it, but increasing polarization, not only is this the time that we need to be having really difficult conversations, it's also a time when those conversations are even more difficult to have. Um, So, uh, those are kind of the ones, um, I, I, that's totally a dodge of your question. You're asking uh, specific issues. And then always, I think, um, always people hear, um, how are we being humane to our neighbor? Um, I think that shows up, um, you know, Islamophobia is on the rise and has been for several years. And um, also um, treatment of refugees and immigrants um, for our congregation, I think that is, like, one kind of, like, pretty, you know, I'm not all that black and white of a thinker, but, like, that is, like, did we show compassion or did we not? Like, that's pretty easy to to say yes or no to. Um, yeah. Yeah. People, people want to feel like we're, we're doing we're doing the right thing as individuals and also as a society, and um, it's difficult for them when it feels like we're not. And then, oh my gosh, I mean, you heard me preach about race and racism, but we, we like haven't even, like that, you know, this is hundreds and hundreds of years of, uh, of American racism and um, uprooting, um, the 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 patterns of, uh, of of racism and the ways that it hides itself is really difficult work, and it's uh, work that I could probably do better in my own self and certainly with the congregation.
1: Yeah, these are not easy issues to always tackle, are they? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you touched on. I want to go back two steps. You touched on um, kind of like mental health being the thing on the top of your mind, and I know. I mean, everyone's got their story, whether it's just from stress to a severe case of anxiety to this or that. But everyone's got their spectrum, and I know we've talked about this. And uh, I'm just like, I'd be curious for you to share a little bit about, you know, your journey with mental health, but just more actually of now, like today. Like, I'm always curious on like the practices people have in place just to just to help like stay level-headed or to come back Mm -hmm. to earth when you're in a moment of stress. You know different types of habits or prayers or meditations that you do in your life um, that just kind of help you stay calm and like think about all these big issues. You know, I think there's huge issues and there's also like these constant daily stressors. And I think if you let that just encapsulate you, it can be a lot. Um, So I'm always curious to learn new ways that people just kind of bring themselves back to center and just look at the world and say, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on, but I'm going to keep going forward and I'm going to tackle these things one by one. Um, so would you mind sharing some of those things?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you're so, you're so right about that. Um, how, it's this question of how do we talk about these things and care about these things without letting them get in the driver's seat of our own life and, um, and, and that's a struggle. And I think it's a, a cumulative, you're right, it's a cumulative effect of stress. And um, so what do I do? Um, most of this uh, comes from uh, spiritual direction, which is kind of like therapy, but um, you can talk about God too. And it's, um, uh, so I meet one-on-one once a month with a spiritual director who helps me name where God is in my life and uh, discover practices to help me um, center myself in the outpouring of God's love to this earth and to me. Um, And that is, uh, honestly, you're right, it has been a a journey for me because I tend to, I'm really academic and I'm a thinker and these practices ask me to be in my body a little bit more and to get in touch with what my body is telling me and so that's been a wonderful thing for me to learn for the past two years I'd say so what I do um, a lot of it is preventative work um, uh, you know I guess you could call it mindfulness but I try to notice especially um, when I feel like I am in a moment of blessing um, and uh, the Ignatian um, or Jesuit kind of spirituality teaches us to call these moments consolation, like when you are being consoled. And when you are being consoled, when you find yourself in a moment of great blessing or joy, your job is to recognize it and to give thanks for it. And then um, later on, um, the, the spiritual mystery is that that moment continues to, bear out blessings in your life. So for instance, uh, one thing that I have been doing is when I find, um, my thoughts start racing a little bit and I do deal with anxiety and it's mainly under control. Um, but it's, it's a daily thing, you know, how, uh, you feel, you feel it start to tick up. I think about, um, some of these moments of consolation and I think about, um, In particular, one night I was in the Boundary Waters. And um, it's so beautiful up there, right? And I remember it was so, it was so cold out. um, And I went out and I had my sleeping bag around me and it was a clear night and I just looked at the stars and it was the cold night air and the the stillness of the stars. And it was like, that was a moment of incredible consolation for me. And so I just center myself in that moment. And I think, you know, Joel, you were lucky enough to live that. And the mystery of that is, is that it can still bless you. And so what does it mean to breathe in that cold night air now? What does it mean to be, you know, lit by those same stars? And um, that calms me down. It, and, and I just sit and, and ruminate in that. And um, sometimes uh, a, a practice I, I do, and this is one that I've had to learn, it, it, it's just resilience. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, you've been here before and you've gotten through it. And so you're going to get through this one too, you know, this, this, you know, panic attack or, um, set of, you find yourself fixating on a certain worry and you're like, you know, I, 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 this is not going to be forever and it will pass. And so you just kind of wave hello to the worry, like, oh, I see you. Um, and then, um, if you can, uh, if I can, I, 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 extend a little comfort like almost like it's this wounded child like my own worries and anxieties are and cuz it's trying to tell me something right and so rather than be like you know get in a corner you know I'm not going to say that to a wounded child I'm going to be like oh what you're going through is hard you know and and to do that with myself is 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 kind of the journey yeah is is that helpful at all yeah Just, no
1: yeah. absolutely absolutely i i have heard people discuss of like that similar philosophy of like this this isn't me this is just you know just my brain telling me things and it's people use different words I've heard funny names and wounded child is definitely a funny, funny, <laughs> <laughs> funny <name. laughs> um, but yeah no I think that's great I you know I absolutely think like you kind of mentioned I'm almost just just going back to those grateful moments that you've that you've had and just kind of living in those and 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 just making sure that we're reminding ourselves of all the beautiful things that we see, and not let the, the negative ones. It's actually interesting because I've been, you know, doing more research on just neuroscientists and all this different stuff, and just they're all just talking about how you know, our brains were, were actually just wired to be more negative because it yes. would just help us, you know, survive in the wild, right? When we were like living in the, you know, outdoors and animals could kill us or other you know other humans could kill us and it was more of like this survival tactic but then humans evolved to a point where like these survival tactics weren't needed anymore or yes. I mean, they're still needed but just not to the extent that they were so now everyone's talking about like the reason why positive psychology and this whole mindfulness like has been so like injected into the western culture is that you're trying to like rewire your brain to just think more positively and when you do these practices where you're reminding yourself of where you see God or moments Mm. you're grateful for, things that bring you joy. It's like helping your brain just think more in this light. Mm. You're not always just like, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. So I find that to be super fascinating and super (laughs) exciting that we can even like attempt to rewire how our
0: brains work. So Oh, yeah. For me, that's that. I mean, like a religious word, but that's that's grace. Right. It's this um, it's this second chance, like just because our brains are wired a certain way doesn't mean that we can't change. It's it's this incredible gift. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually just gave a sermon on this uh Two week, two Sundays ago, Um, but um, my spiritual director says it takes one second for something negative to get into your brain, but it takes eleven for something positive. And so then it is like that is just such a concrete thing that I can remember um, and be like, oh, someone paid me a compliment. I'm actually gonna say thank you, and then take two deep breaths and think this person went out of their way to say something you know, within me that, that made the world better for, for them, you know, what a joy. And then that get, so I let it get into my brain and I let it get into my being. And then, yeah, with, with the negative stuff, it's, it's like, that's not the only reality and, and to not judge it, but to be like, this actually probably helped us out. Right. You know, it helped us get away from bears that were hungry and chasing us. And now we, we don't. We gotta Marie Kondo it, you know, and just like thank it and set it aside.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I wanna. I wanna now touch on one other thing that you, that you had talked about when you you brought up kind of. Um, I don't remember the exact word you use, like Islamophobia. Which what word did you? Islamophobia. Use? Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, you mentioned that you know, some of these conversations are just inherently really difficult and you're learning how to have them. And I know that you do a, you make an effort to bring the communities together and to really have them interact and, and see each other face to face. Why why do you make these attempts and and Mm. what do you think that does by getting people of different faith in the same room, talking and hanging out with each other?
0: Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's really um, it, Jesus told um, someone who wanted to follow God and like get a, a, a fulfilling life, um, love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And um, for me, this is, this is part of that. And you look and you see that people um, in our communities are um, being shut out. Muslims in in Minnesota, I'm thinking, are, are um, shut out and sometimes feared or made to um, uh, endure not even microaggressions, but like hate speech and attempts at terror on their their mosques and. Um, it's just really ugly. So people, and then the people who are doing that, I mean, I view this as an act of, of love to, to them too, because I think that hate comes from a place of deep woundedness and what, happens when we choose hate is it just intensifies and deepens the woundedness um and uh it might feel good in the moment but it's not it's not going to lead to anything positive so um so it, it comes it starts out as an expression of like my deep christianity but it ends someplace different and that's that i think you actually learn more um about your own faith from viewing a neighbor's. And I think particularly every time I've gotten together with the Muslim community in Plymouth, it's just like, oh, you all pray five times a day. like do I do that? And you know, what is that? You, you all, um, are able to, um, fast for a month, a year, and you do it so that you're able to, you know, give alms to the poor, to, to share what you have better and to, to, um, show your, your devotion to God. And it's like, well, what am I doing? And not in any sort of like shaming way, but it's like their faith inspires me my to to look at my own in new ways and um yeah i think about um uh i I had a professor in college and he is hindu and um he talked about how because he was in dialogue with uh, a lot of christians he was uh, he and other uh, hindu people were able to um because of jesus and his association with the poor and, you know, the outcast and the marginalized, they were able to reassess kind of um, how they treated people across caste lines. And it really, like, sent them back into their own faith with a new mission. And I think he said that, like, one of Hinduism's gifts to Christianity, which is something that we've talked about here, is just this deeper examination of our of our own thoughts and the patterns of our thoughts and being mindful to what we're choosing to give our mind to um and so it's like we return to our own traditions with new gifts and like why would we not want to give each other those gifts like what fun is it to just um fight and argue about who's better when we could actually be learning from each other and like deepening our own understanding of the mystery which is God.
1: Yeah, that sounds more fun than some things <laughs> that have happened in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and uh so you brought up you brought up Jesus and I I wanted to bring up Jesus because my analytical mind is always just racing when I when I look at people and I I just I love examining people and I just always find it so funny because people who are religious are like, Jesus is the savior and Jesus is everything. The people who are not religious are always like, this Jesus lover needs to like <laughs> chill <laughs> yeah, out. Like, and you're back like, back off, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was fortunate enough to be with my friends in Spain last month. And we went to La Sagrada Familia, which is right in Barcelona, which is this just beautiful cathedral and i mean it just made you feel something and Mm. it got us into a pretty in-depth conversation because interestingly enough my friend group is pretty split when it comes to how people practice if they practice like it's it's pretty diverse so when we get into religious conversations i actually enjoy it because the perspectives are so are so varying but You know, we brought up, we just brought up Jesus and the fact that whether you believe him to be the savior, or if you're not religious at all, that there's just still such an extraordinary quality to him as a person and to the lessons that he taught. And I'm just curious if you could share a few of those big lessons, because I think there's just some strong stories of empathy and compassion that we could all learn from no matter what you choose to believe at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. What do I like about Jesus? <laughs> where, where do I begin? It's not, right? I feel
1: like it's not asked much. it's just like taken as like a, a staple. It's like, Oh Jesus. But I'm like, let's, let's talk more about it. But
0: yeah. Like why Jesus? Yeah. 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 I, I think there's like when you encounter the, the starkness of his message he cut to the heart of things so quickly in a way that I, I mean, is still, I still find compelling. And he speaks to this, um, kind of truth that's deeper than, um, you know, what we expect, you know, you expect that you, you work hard and that you're going to get what you deserve. But, but Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor and blessed are the mourning and actually woe to you who are successful and rich and laughing, laughing and happy now. Um, and, and there's, there's, um, something really humanizing about that. Um, and I think kind of the, the narrative that our, um, society gives us is, you know, do more and be more and try harder. And then, you know, at, at, when you round the bend you know after you do these things that's when your your true life will start that's when you know that you're you will be enough and for jesus it's he reverses that it's it's you're already enough and guess what so so is everyone else and um so so in a way it doesn't matter what what you do or what you amount to there's this deeper kind of 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 worth and value and in a way that's both um tremendously affirming to me when I'm, uh, you know, filled with self-doubt or whatever, but then also tremendously aggravating at me or to me when I just want to feel better or superior or whatever to another person. Um, Yeah. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry in, uh, the Gospel of Mark says, uh, repent uh, for the kingdom of God is near. And like for me, that, that what that means, repent, is like get on a different path. Like turn around. That's what repent means. Um, the things that you think are going to bring you life are not necessarily the things that are going to bring you life. So like get some distance between you and your life and take stock. And so that's repent. And then because guess what? The kingdom of God is at hand. Like You are actually floating in this outpouring love that we can't explain um, and that we don't actually need to explain. You just ultimately rest in it. And yeah, and I think Jesus dealt with that so so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's the reversal is why I like Jesus. Those who wanna, um, who try to keep their lives, well, guess what? They're gonna be the ones who lose it because in trying to keep them and trying to preserve what they have, um, they, they, they miss the opportunities along the way. It's only those who know that they have already lost their lives, that they don't, they don't have anything to lose. Then guess what? You gain, you gain mm. true life then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I got one more big philosophical question for you and then we can wrap it up with a few questions about yourself and we can finish up the interview. But um, we've talked about this before. Again, the idea of, of following your calling of serving God's purpose. And I, again, when I reflect on my experience in the church, I just feel like sometimes that conversation can be missed when it's like, what does you know, what are you supposed to be doing out in the world? Like what are you supposed to be doing for people? How do you, how do you find that to make yourself, you know, a happy and purpose driven person, but to give it out into the world. And, um, you know, I don't even remember you giving me advice before, but you know, what is, what is like a few tidbits of advice or maybe just reflecting on your own journey as you thought, getting to figuring out what that was, was there certain things that you did or certain things you tell people to kind of, you know, because it doesn't happen overnight, right? So what is that process or what are some things that you've told people or that you've told yourself um, to kind of keep listening and following whatever that might be and how you can go serve the world?
0: Yeah. Um, so um, at church right now, we're reading um, these two Bible stories that come right next to each other, but we tend to read them separately. And one is the the good Samaritan, right? And you know the story where, like, there's the wounded guy on the side of the road and the one guy goes um, and helps him and just shows him lavish care, like wonderful um, being a neighbor. And um, Jesus says at the, at the end to the disciples, like, go and do likewise, like do this, right? Um, and then... Immediately after comes this story where Jesus is with two sisters, Mary and Martha, and um, Martha is in the kitchen, and she's like cooking and preparing all these things, and Mary is just sitting there at Jesus' feet while Jesus is talking, and she's listening to him, and Martha's like, hey, Jesus, you should tell my sister to share the work with me, and Jesus says, actually, your sister has chosen the better part. Um, by sitting and, and listening to me. And I think when we talk about calling in the church, it's easy for us to locate it more like the Good Samaritan side of things. Like, you need to go and do stuff. And I think that's important. Like, that's where we should end up. You know, you don't want to live your life just serving yourself. Um But I do think that there's real wisdom in the story that comes after it where um, you need to take time to listen and and to listen, you know, for for Jesus, for the Holy One in your life and to pay attention to what is it that um, you are hearing within your own soul? What are those hunches that... um, you need to um, pay attention to or check out or experiment with um, and to trust those. And then also externally, like who out there needs help? And the answer is actually everybody. And so that's really bad news because it's overwhelming. But the good <laughs> news is that there is someone out there who needs your help and your work and your heart and your passion. And so I think holding those two things in tandem at least gets you part of the way there. But then, I mean, you this is how you started the conversation, but it's so true. It's a journey, like I am called to Mount Olivet right now. That's not always gonna be true. And I am, you know, my, my calling, what I am meant to do, it shifts almost daily and, and that's okay. It's just this process of um, listening and acting and reflecting. Yeah. So that's any advice if it's, if it's helpful. (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: that's very, very helpful. Um, I'll wrap it up with a few, a few questions here um, about yourself. So I want to ask, I like to ask this question to people because it's kind of the theme of my podcast, which is extraordinary life, which is a big word, but you know, I, I try to use that word because I know that we can all live extraordinary in our own ways. And I'm curious right now in your life and you look at just like the, the pillars or the important things that you know that you would need to have a happy, fulfilling life. What are some of those big buckets that you, that you always kind of want to fill? So you feel like your life is kind of, I guess, intact or where you want it to be or happy or extraordinary or whatever insert, insert your word of choice there. Um, But I'll let you take the floor and, and try to answer that one.
0: I think what comes to the top of my mind is um, belonging. I think that it's important for me essential for me to have people in my life who know who I am and who uh, who love me and who who are there for me and for us to to share that and that that i know them and love them and and i'm there for them and uh, just this sense of not being alone is so important for me i want to feel like i um am maybe not making a difference but at least um, doing something that I feel matters, something that um, isn't, uh, you know, piddling the years away or, or spending life in a holding pattern, but that I'm actually digging in <laughs> to the stuff that we should be digging into. You know, we, we get this one life and uh, I want to be able to spend it um, examining the the things that need to be examined. And um, yeah, I I, I mean here, health is important to me. I think uh, I am around a lot of sick people. It's part of my job or people who aren't doing so well, um, aren't taking care of themselves. And um, you just realize how much you take it for granted and, you know, being able, you know, after this, I get to decide if I'm gonna go to the gym tonight or not, or if I'm gonna go home or if I'm gonna walk my dog and like, having that choice of things to do, it really is, it feels freeing and my world feels spacious and um, I I really love that. Um, And I I wanna be able to laugh. I I really wanna be able to laugh and find joy. yeah, those are my pillars for now. Awesome. Well,
1: I'll, I'll check in again in maybe six months or a so year and see. Yeah. That,
0: that, who knows, who knows where I'll be. Yeah,
1: no, that's, that's great. Um, well, all right. I'll, I'll leave it with one final question. Uh, if you could have some sort of closing message to listeners, keeping in mind that, you know, there's a, about a 18 to 25, 30 age range and who could be, you know, exploring all, types of faith or not exploring, but they're just being maybe like one thing on your mind or one thing you'd want to leave after all the stuff that we've talked about today.
0: Uh if you do decide to become part of a religious community and I would highly recommend it, it is not going to always feel great. And that is not a failure. That is actually a, a, a success. And um, it's religious community is not like an a la carte, you know, it's not a buffet where you want this and and, and you want that and you want to avoid that. It's just, um, it's people being people together and it's the, the dumbest thing and it's the most beautiful thing <laughs> um, all wrapped into one. And um, so, yeah, I mean, whether or not, whether or not you, decide to become part of a religious community. I, I think that something you should know is that most people who are in it are in it with integrity and out of a deep desire and hunger in, in, in their souls. And um, yeah to give religious people the benefit of the doubt <laughs> which is a message for myself too and i'm in the church too i need to give people the benefit of the doubt all the time anyway i'm i'm so glad for this conversation it's really yeah. lovely to be asked these things you're not asked these things every day and um so i love it awesome that's
1: yeah i mean it's fun to ask him and so if uh if somebody reaches out and feels like they want to get in contact with you can i can i leave your email or something in the oh yes to have somebody be like hey i gotta talk to this guy he seems like he's got (laughs) you know some things that i resonate with or questions i want to ask him would that be okay yeah please do
0: okay yeah it'd be it'd be super fun to connect with anyone well
1: thank you for tuning in to another episode of live an extraordinary life i hope you enjoy today's guest pastor joel i hope that he just showed you or rather helped open your mind to the value of a spiritual journey, how we can all get along no matter what we believe in and the things that we can all learn from each other if we simply open our minds to it and if we are willing to accept new things and to look at things in a new point of view. So as I mentioned, I will be linking his contact information in the show notes if you want to reach out and ask him any questions. So as always, people, go live an extraordinary life. Until next time.